You are listening to the Lingerie Success Podcast, the first podcast of its kind committed to practical and actionable marketing strategies, business advice, interviews, and tools to help your lingerie store thrive. Are you ready? So let's get started. Hello, Lingerie Success listeners, and welcome to episode 14 of the Lingerie Success Podcast, where we provide practical, actionable advice to help your lingerie store thrive. This week, we'll be talking about time-saving and hands-off email marketing tips and ideas. So these are some great ideas for you, all of you um, busy store owners out there who are listening, who have limited time to spend with marketing, and and we hope these tips will help. Um, And my name is Katie, and I am one of the co-hosts here, and I am joined today by Chris and Angel. How's your week going, Chris? Very good, as always. Busy, but very, very good. Have you read anything interesting lately? Yeah, I mean, I've been reading, you know, my, my personal podcast. I've been reading a lot of books. And um, I think today I did um, Grant Cardone's If You're Not First, You're Last, which is awesome. I mean, Grant Cardone is always a kick in the pants for everybody that listens to him. His, his, his main thing is 10x, basically. Do something 10 times more than everybody else, and you're bound to win. You're bound to achieve something. So I think that's... That's sort of the overall theme of all the books that he does. Um, and then I've been, this past week, I've been millionaire books, billionaire books kind of thing, and how the brain works and all that stuff. So it's just a lot of, a lot of you know, exciting information that may or may not be applicable on, you know, uh, on a daily day basis, but at least it's good to know. Yeah, absolutely. And Angel, how are you doing today? Pretty good. Just trying to stay cool. It's very hot out here in L.A. It's been a couple of days where it's like over 100, so... Oh, it's crazy. I hope it starts cooling down soon. Well, it's going to be hot this weekend. My wife was telling me it was uh, it's going to be 100 degrees plus again this entire weekend. So. Oh, my gosh. Yep. Well, speaking of weekends, Angel, do you have anything fun planned for this weekend? Oh, uh, yeah. I, I'm really excited because I'm going to upgrade my NAS. Um, I already filled up my one terabyte drives, so I got to upgrade to at least three terabytes and... Uh, uh, I, I don't know if people do this regularly, but they really should be aware that hard drives do fail. And just from my own personal experience, uh, I had a hard drive crash maybe, I don't know, six years ago. And it just took away like five years worth of work. So it's after that happened, I'm, I'm super paranoid about having all my files backed up. And it's something that people forget about because, you know, your computer just works. But that one day when you turn it on and it doesn't, that's when you're going to be like, oh, my God, I should have backed up all my files. Great tip. Absolutely. Yeah, totally. And Angel, for all of our listeners out there like me just a few minutes ago, what is a NAS? A NAS is a network attached storage system. So basically it's like a, a, like a hard drive that's like it has its own built-in computer. And now you can pick one up for like $100. And then you put two hard drives in it. So... All your files get saved to OneDrive, and then automatically, what's called RAID 1, it it mirrors the other drive, so you always have two versions of your files. So if your main computer ever crashes, all your files are backed up not once, but twice. So it's like extra, you know, super paranoid backup redundancy, but... If you're, you know, if you have your, your your company's files or your work files on there, that maybe your tax returns, your employees' um, files that are super important and irreplaceable, you really should do something like that. Yeah, I think that's awesome. I think that's something that, gosh, I mean, I don't think about that on a daily basis. And I always hope that my computer will be there for me. And if one day I wake up and it just decides not to 
you know, let me um, access my files, I'll be super disappointed. So I'm definitely going to look into that. Yeah, if, if you don't want to take the time to actually have a NAS in your office or, or at home, you know, there's ways to connect with like Dropbox or even Google Drive where you can set up your computer to uh, upload your files daily to a Google Drive or a Dropbox. So, I, I mean, I just go out of my way to have the, the actual physical hard drives in my in my home. But there's a way to do that without having to actually buy a NAS. You can use your the cloud, Google Drive or Dropbox to, to do the backups. So, that, you know, they'll still be there if something actually happens to your physical hard drive. You can download them off the cloud. Yeah, I mean, just a side note on that, what you're saying, Angel. It's also a good idea from as best practice to take a hard drive out of your home, you know, because things happen at home, you know, you never know burglary, fire, whatever. I mean, hope that never happens, but it's a possibility taking one file out of your home is, is a safe bet to, to do. Yeah, that is pretty smart. I, I wish that um, they made really tiny hard drives that I could put on my keychain and then I could take it with me everywhere. <laughs> Flash drives is the best you can get. Those are limited, though. Yeah, they are. They don't um, oh Gosh, I know that they don't have as much storage, but um, Angel, that's an awesome suggestion about definitely using Google Drive and other cloud storage options. I think um, I think that's a really good tip for our listeners, too. Yeah, I'm, su- I'm super paranoid about that. So I actually do what Chris said. Like, I have... I use a small external drive for one backup. I have my NAS for two back for num- backup number two, and then I upload to the cloud for backup number three. So that's you know if you're super paranoid, that's what you would do. That's pretty that's standard practice to do that. But uh, I know and I know that that takes a little bit of time to set up and like the logistics involved in that are tricky. But at least if you do one sort of backup, whether it's to the cloud or external drive or NAS. You know, you should be pretty safe, but you should always have at least one backup of all your files. Yeah, I think that's an amazing tip. And and I hope all of our listeners are, you know, listening and um, and we'll definitely be um, sharing some tips in our show notes about um, storage and, and setting stuff like that up. So if you're listening and you're not sure how to do that quite yet, we'll link to a, a post or two in the in the show notes for you to help you get started. Um, and this week for our podcast, so episode 14, um, so we'll be talking about some um, time-saving and hands-off email marketing tips for you all. And this is a continuation of our podcast from last week. So last week we talked a lot about marketing um, and emails and setting up um, emails um, to be sent um, sequentially to your customers. And this time we'll be talking a little bit about autoresponders and personalization and segmentation to um, kind of get you to that next step and also um, free up some of your time so that you won't have to spend so much time marketing and that you can spend more time in your store or pursuing another hobby or maybe with your friends and family. Um, And so I wanted to get started here. So Chris, if you could tell our readers maybe what an email responder is, um, just to kind of give them an idea if they don't already know. Absolutely, Katie. Well, an autoresponder does not always just have to be an email. You could have a text autoresponder. You could have uh, even they have mail autoresponders, actually physical mail autoresponders. There's companies that actually do that. I don't suggest you do it, but there are. But an autoresponder basically is a is a system where you can pre-schedule sequence messages that you set up to communicate with your subscribers. In our case, email subscribers that sends out the message in a certain order and a frequency that we ourselves as business owners determine. Um, It's a great way to generate more revenue, build relationships with our customers, and like you said, saves us time 
in executing an effective email marketing plan. You know, normally and we want to write messages or specifically email, you know, we write the emails and then, you know, put the address of each and each and every recipient and then hit send. I mean, that's what everybody's standard email, you know, how it works. But with an autoresponder in place, instead of you writing one-off emails, you sort of think of the series of emails that you pre-compose at a ahead and you set that up in an autoresponder system and in an automated way it's sent out, you know, it's triggered by something. You know, it could be when you add some, a name, email address into your email list, for example, a sequence is triggered that automatically sends them something. We'll, we'll dive more into that. But, you know, maybe it's after they complete an appointment form for our retailers. Or it could be, you know, last week's podcast, we were talking about lead magnets, right? And the squeeze page and landing page. So whenever um, they receive that, that lead magnet in their email, then you can go ahead and enroll them into a sequence of emails that will pre-qualify them instead of you following up with them. It can deliver it sequentially at you know different time delays. Um, you know we all know that as business owners, there's those days that life gets in the way. You know we're, we get busy, we do all of this stuff, and even here in Parfait, we encounter this a lot. So we rely on a lot of automated tasks for us to be able to be more efficient, or I guess be more forgiven for forgetting stuff. Um, so that's just uh, that's just how you use email responders and email responder system. But I want to caution our listeners and our our partners. Often we associate email marketing autoresponders with spammy stuff, right? Like keep sending. Um, you could a lot of worst practices of emails that I've seen. You know, I come from an email lead generation background before um, joining Parfait. A lot of companies would 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 upload the same exact email, and they would send it like five times in a row. But that's not what an email responder is for, because you're not providing value. That is a common mistake. I talk about value a lot in this podcast and providing value by just blasting away. Those two things just don't correlate. Your message has to have a, you know, a plan and a purpose. And the email autoresponder and email in general is just a tool. You know, it really comes and the value really comes from the actual message that you're delivering. It could be, I think yesterday we were talking, I mean, on the last week's podcast, we were talking about, delivering a coupon, for example, or a, uh, a valuable content, expertise, profiting tips, and stuff like that. And those are one-off emails that can be sent out using the email autoresponder system. Yeah, I love, Chris, what you mentioned um, about, you know, understanding your why and your, your reasons for sending out those emails. I think, you know, like you said, that's so important to understand why you're doing it, because even though it's automated, you still want to make sure that you're providing your audience value through all of the emails that you send. So that's super duper important. Um, I think some of our listeners might be wondering, you know, how they get started with autoresponders and, and maybe even some examples um, of the type of autoresponders that they could use in their business. So, Chris? Absolutely. Well, there's a lot in the market. I mean, if you Google best uh, email services out there, you'll probably encounter GetResponse, Constant Contact, Aweber. There's Vertical Response. Uh, there's MailChimp as well. I mean, there's one-off companies. So the best thing that you do is just Google um, the best services for 2017, for example, of email marketing. And they will 
provide majority of the information and a majority of the features that you already need to get started. But I, we know in the show notes, we'll make sure to include the link to some of these services. In the company here, we use GetResponse, Vertical Response, and we have a more enterprise software called HubSpot that we use here in the company. But of course, you know these smaller smaller companies will suffice for the needs of our business owner partners. Um, a lot of this time, this this feature and this service is maybe ten, fifteen, twenty dollars, and and depending on the amount of volume of subscribers that you have, then you just have to pay a little bit more incrementally. And then once you have a provider that you've chosen. Of course, you set up the account and all that stuff. They have the tutorials, resources, and how to use them. You then need to brainstorm and decide what content you want to add on your autoresponder. You know, a few ideas that you can do, maybe a how-to guide series, like related to bra fitting, for example, or customer appreciation emails that highlights your best customers and experiences. It's a good social proof for you to have. You know, I'm sure a lot of our customers, whenever I... I speak to our retailers, I look at their Yelp, I look at their their Facebook page, and you see a lot of glowing reviews. And those are things that you can email purposely to your subscribers to let them know that, hey, I'm awesome, because you are, right? And the other thing, too, is maybe a series of weekly tips on um, educating them about bra styles, for example. It's another thing, because not every store, not every partner of ours carry the same thing. So there's a value in in educating these customers of what differences maybe of a balcony bra, um, a plunge, and difference between a molded and a, a, a wire bra, for example. And you can even do an e-course. You can deliver video content via email. Of course, the video itself is not going to play on the email, but you can link to it, which then sends them to a, an, a, another landing page. You know, but after we figured out what content we want to send to our subscribers, then we just simply add this to our autoresponder system and then schedule the follow-up sequence. You know, for example, if you're planning a multi-part, you know, email series, which I suggest you do to make full use of this service. For example, once they opt into your lead magnet, you of course, the first email that they receive is here's your content, here's your value-packed content. And then a few days later, they receive an email from you that showcases a client success story, right? Then that again is it provides social proof, like I said, and makes you look like and you know really shows your expertise. And then a few days later, you give them um, common bra problem tips that they can learn from. And then a f- you know, three days later, you send them back to make an appointment with you because maybe they haven't made an appointment with your store yet for a bra fitting and then you know a week later from that you say again well what should you expect from a bra fitting and then invite them again for a bra fitting and you can cycle this through you can make series there's some email sequences that go up to 50 i don't suggest you start with that maybe a 7 to 14 day series will you know allow you to maybe have an email sequence for a few months but also the other thing that i think we need to be able to do is you need to be able to track you know, a lot of the information that your email blasts to people, when you do your regular Gmail or regular Outlook email, you don't know if they opened it. You don't know if they clicked on anything on your email. But when you use these providers that we talked about, they provide you statistics like open rates, basically out of X number of emails that you sent, how many actually people opened it. Um, you can look at the click-through rates, which is basically... 
from the people that opened it, how many people actually clicked on the email to take an action, like click on your button to watch your video or click your button to make an appointment. Uh, the other thing that you need to keep in mind, the reason you want to always look at these tracking metrics is you need to know if your subject lines, your your addresses are working, you know, you get a lot of bounce backs and stuff like that. So it's really important for you to track the progress and track the effectiveness of what you're doing. Um, just a side best practice that I think works very, very well once our retailers engage in this particular process is to do A-B testing. I, I know that sounds a little bit more advanced for some people, but usually, for example, our retailers have a list of 500 email accounts, for example, right? So they would use an email service and they would send two different subject lines to maybe uh, 50 people and then another dif a different subject line to 50 people. And they see that the open rates for, an, for email two is 50%. And open rates for the other one is 3%. So it makes sense for them to use email too to email blast to the rest of their of their email list. So that's just a small tip that I think they can apply because a lot of our listeners may already be using email marketing. So at least they can take something away out of the basic information that I just spoke about. Yeah, I think those are all amazing tips for our listeners. I think one of the biggest things that you can do is market smarter, not necessarily harder. So I know people say, you know, work smarter, not harder. And while, you know, that's definitely um, a valid point, I think that marketing smarter is definitely more important than just marketing and just sending out um, content. Um, I think also with content, um, I was reading an article recently and it reminded me um, of the importance of sending out quality and really waiting. And if you feel, you know, that particular day that you, um, you, you know, you don't have time or you can't create that quality content, wait, wait to send it, send it the next day. Um, I think one of the great things about a sequence is that you can sit down ahead of time and you can plan it out and you can, you know, sit down with a cup of tea if you'd like, relax and just really sit down with your marketing plan and maybe your goals for the next couple months and just start planning your sequences. And you can do that ahead of time. And then if you do have something happen, like you get sick or, um, you know, your business is closed or there's even construction in your area and you're, you're late to work, um, at least you have something that's doing the work for you so that you don't have to worry about it while you're running your business. Um, and just a few other things. So it's definitely always a good idea to be consistent with your content. So if you are sending out emails um, on a certain day each week or you're trying to send out a certain amount, do try to be consistent so that your audience has an idea of what to look for. Um, I know that I have a couple companies that I follow that I get emails from. Um, and I always know that I'll probably see one from them maybe on the weekend or some of them I get emails during the week. So it's just kind of a good idea to know, you know, when you might get um, content from companies so that you can keep an eye out for it. Um, and then also just making sure that you do send out the content. So sometimes um, it's so easy, especially when you're creative or if you're a perfectionist. Um, also, it's so easy to get caught in the trap of, well, you know, is anyone going to see it or is it right or is it going to work or is it a good idea? And if you honestly feel that it's a good idea and you think that the content is good and valuable for your audience, don't hesitate do send it out. Um, and then you can always fine tune your sequence later. So if you, like Chris mentioned, AB testing, that's such a great, um, idea. And it's something that you should definitely consider when sending out your emails. Um, and also just remembering that you can always go back and you can, you know, take time later and fine tune and update. 
Um, and then also, like Chris mentioned, varying your content. So varying your content is good. Um, and it's also something that we wanted to talk about um, in regards to personalizing and segmentation. Um, and so, Chris, what would you, what could you um, share with our audience on personalizing emails and segmenting them as well when you're providing that varied content? Absolutely. Well, you know, throughout the email automation process, right, once you're using autoresponders and all that, the key is to gather as much information about your consumers. Again, we're, we're, we're talking about avatars and knowing your customers really, really well um, because it's, it allows you to personalize things for them. You know, don't you feel better when you, when you receive an email and says, hi, Katie, right, instead of saying, hey, stranger, Right. I mean, it makes sense for you to start personalizing stuff and imagine if you were able to personalize even further. But then this requires you to really segment your list and know maybe for our for our listeners, you know, in their stores, they have the different groups. Maybe the, the first group of customers would be a different age demographic, for example. I was talking to a retailer this morning and she has two major subsets of customers. She has the late 20s, early 30s customer base that buys a lot of fashion stuff. And then she has a lot of those 45, 50, 55 consumers that sort of, you know, when they like a style, they buy all colors of it because they like tried and true stuff. So knowing that ahead of time, and she is actually great at this because she's segmenting her list. Um, when we were having conversations, he's like, oh, how many people are in, on your list? And she says, oh, for this segment, I have this many customers. For that segment, I have that many customers. That's great information because it allows you to personalize the email. Again, you're delivering value because you're able to give them specifically the stuff that they need. So, again, to get started in personalization, you need to segment your emails. You use the data that you have, sort them by different attributes such as age, Maybe past purchases, a style they like, they gravitate towards more molded cups or maybe bralettes or maybe long line stuff. And do they buy from you maybe online or they buy from you uh, at in, in the store? Or the basic one is, have they bought from you before? You know, because a lot of times whenever somebody comes into our store, we promote this a lot with our, with our partners. We, we sponsor a set where they can do a giveaway. People that would participate in that giveaway, the requirement is they join via email, right? But that contest is open to both customer, current customer, and non-customer. So again, segmenting those lists. You might be wondering, well, how do you do that? Well, by sending an email and asking a question. You segment a question, well, it tells you, are you our customer or not? I mean, it could be as simple as that. They click on it. Here's a free something. Here's a free discount or whatever the case. And you know that people that are uh, replying to maybe photos of your bestsellers, you know that they're a customer of yours because they've already bought these things. So just thinking ahead, you know, thinking methodically and strategically about your content is very, very important. Um, I, you know, the dynamic content is basically what you need to do when you try to personalize. I know that sounds complicated, but it's simple. You basically swap out information based on your targets. When you sign up for an AWeber, uh, GetResponse, MailChimp, and Get Response, uh, Constant Contact and all these stuff, whenever you're sending their mail merge fields, so you basically, they have codes like um, colon, first name, and then they have like last name, date, stuff like that. So instead of you punching in Katie, Angel, Chris, you just basically put first name. 
And then the email addresses that you upload will automatically take that first name and plug it in there. And just a side tip, I mean, putting putting people's names on the subject line is very, very effective because it, something screams at you when you see your name. It sounds like they know me. Let me click on that. And some side thing that um, that I want to talk about also just a little bit is personalizing not only the information that is in the body of the email, but the sender as well. Um, in my experience, I found that receiving emails from a company gets far less opens than receiving something from a human being. So if it's coming from Katie, Donnelly from Parfait, as opposed to Parfait, it makes more sense. I mean, we know that because when whenever we do our brand announcements, of course, it doesn't come from a person. It comes from a brand. So the open rates are much lower. But when we're announcing something and it comes from our email personally, the email rates are open rates are a lot higher. The click through rates are a lot higher. So that's just a side tip again for those people that are already using email marketing. You know, some personalizations, like I said, are location, time, name. You know, like I said, adding names into the subject line and then matching those fields into the landing pages is another great, great tip. If your service provider is able to do this, imagine. So if you're if you submitted uh, a, uh, you sent an email out, right? It says, hi, Katie, check this email out on the subject line. They open it. It says, dear Katie. And then they click on, like, make an appointment. They click on it. They go to a landing page and says, like, welcome, Katie. Please make your appointment. Like, holy smokes. Like, that's, that's ultra personalized. It's, it's a little bit creepy, but, hey, that absolutely works. So if your email service provider can do that, which some of them can, it's a little bit more advanced, like I said. But if you can do that, I highly suggest you do it. So, I mean, just, just to close off, you know, as a conclusion, as a small business owner and our partner, you know, we need to utilize our email marketing efforts as an instrument to screen, you know, customers' wants and needs and, you know, the solutions that we're trying to provide. You know, from there, we can tailor focus our marketing according to, the interest of our audience. That's key. You know, we need to remember that an autoresponder is just part of our email marketing strategy. You know, the blog content that you provide that we talked about a few podcasts ago, developing those content is essential because you've got nothing to email if you don't produce the content in the first place. But it's a great way for you to engage with your current customers, convert leads into sales, and even generate repeat business. I love all of those tips, um, Chris. And I know that, you know, we often talk about our whys and definitely before you start the process of um, emails and crafting emails and content for your customers, um, do make sure that you really, really know your why, especially for each uh, method. So if you're making your email autoresponders, know why you're doing it. And definitely have an idea in mind of the benefits that could come from it um, and also what you're hoping to get out of it with those emails as well because those will help drive um, your copy and your creative and anything that you put into your emails. And so we do have some homework for you all as well for this week. So um, just like last week, um, we would love 
for you to send some of your lead magnets to us. Um, our email address is marketing at parfaitlingerie.com and we can help you develop them further. And I know it's something that we talked about last week when we discussed lead magnets, but we are always here to help um, and bounce ideas and provide input. And if there's anything that we can help with, we are more than happy to. Um, and we also have a question of the day for you all as well. So we would love to hear what topics you'd like us to cover in future podcasts. Absolutely. Well, I also want to invite again our listeners to visit lingeriesuccess.com to access more episodes, articles, and tips. And I encourage them to to join our Facebook group, um, Laundry Success, to connect with us, with laundry store owners, share ideas, tips, strategies to help their store thrive. I also want to throw out there for our store owners that have LinkedIn accounts, please please add us. We're more than happy to connect with you, answer your questions there as well. And, you know, we highly encourage you to please share, subscribe, leave a rating and review. You know, we'd very much appreciate your honest feedback, which helps us continually provide impactful content that we know and hope that you will find valuable. Absolutely. And I just wanted to thank all of our listeners for tuning in this week and also to Chris and Angel for being here. And we hope you all have a wonderful week. Thanks, everyone. Thank you, guys. This podcast is brought to you by Parfait. For more information, show notes, and downloads, please go to www.lingeriesuccess.com.